Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Father, just teach us today. We open our hearts to your word and we receive what you're saying. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. I declare there is an anointing that destroys every burden. I declare there is an anointing in the word of God that can remove every hindrance. Uh, I believe there is an anointing that comes to the declaring of a prophetic voice at the right time, in the right season, that can tear down every gate of the enemy. That I believe there's a way that when a preacher takes the pulpit and begins to say what God said and the way God said it, exactly when God said to say it, and he doesn't care what people think about it, we can have breakthrough and the enemy doesn't have the authority and the power that he used to have. That there is a way to tear this thing down. Go over to Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah 10 verse 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now people get stuck on that word oil, but it's talking about the anointing upon a life, that the calling on a man or woman of God, that Aaron was a priest, anointed, that Elijah was a prophet, anointed. This is who God says is called for this hour and for this thing to say what God says. He says, when that is uh, listened to, when, when Jeremiah came along, no one listened to him, so they didn't reap the benefits of it. But if anyone would have said, I have ears to hear, they would have then had the breakthrough that Jeremiah was declaring. And so as a church, we have to wake up and say, when the preaching of the word takes place, that's my answer right there. That, that's where the answer exists. It's not, it's not in just in the worship. It's just not in giving. It's just not in driving up and saying, God, I honored you by coming to your house. These things are, are great. But when you want to find answers, you come together as a body of believers. You say, what's the word that destroys the yoke? That removes the burden. And now we come from a very like orphan generation, so we don't like it when anyone has authority anymore. But at the same time, we want everybody to help us. We don't like anyone to have authority over us, but we want everybody to help us. Uh, this is why most pastors are bombarded after meetings with prayer requests, but the people that want prayer didn't hear anything in the preaching. And if you come to me for prayer afterwards, I always say, did you listen to what was preached? And you'll say, well, well, that didn't really have anything to do with my situation. I, I beg to differ that it probably was above your situation and would have solved your situation. Come on, wave your hand if you prayed that I would be anointed to preach today. Why do we have to pray that? Because we are not exalting Pastor Cletus. We're, not, we're saying, no, God, you anointed this man to be my pastor. Lord, why would I want to walk away with nothing? I, I came, God, we are the body of Christ, and we have order, and we honor that order like you say. And we know if we honor your order, then you can move. We exalt the word over our feelings, over our situation. So, God, talk to us. Just someone make me, a, make me a commitment next Saturday. You'll get together with a couple people and touch a degree and say, God, give Pastor Cleus a word in season that changes everything, that, that messes with me, that, that alters my situation, that makes me have to deal with some stuff, that, that Sunday night's going to have a little pain to it because I had to listen to all my stuff being brought out in the open. God, God, just give him a word that shakes me and breaks me, and God, just help me through this thing. So come on, if he can give a jackass a word, come on. Pray for me sometimes, right? First Kings eighteen four, for so it was 
while Jezebel, this is the wife of Ahab, wicked queen that walks in uh, witchcraft and in sexual morality and in idolatry, which is still the summary of who she is in the New Testament, the spirit of. Her father was the priest of Ishtar, which is a female goddess that was sexually controlling, that then would basically eat the people and destroy them after she controlled them. And so it's a work of manipulation. So she was raised in this atmosphere. Then her father became king of a wicked city. And so her father is both king and priest, which is an antichrist spirit that is like, you know, Jesus is king and priest, okay? It's the opposite of Melchizedek, which is the, the king of righteousness and, you know, priest of the most high God. And here we have this, this priest of this uh, demonic culture, and he, he raises a child named Jezebel. And she's more wicked than the wicked kings of Israel over time. And it says that Ahab, it says he was bad. It says, but the worst thing he ever did was marry that woman. And I hope no one in this room has that testimony. Like, you were in a bad situation but the worst thing you ever did was marry that woman. I, ho I hope that's not anyone's, uh, not going to be on anyone's tombstone someday. Okay. First Kings 18.4 says, For so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord. It says, For so it was that while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord. So, so we have a story within a story here. We don't know the time frame exactly. We don't know exactly how she did this. But it's referred to twice. And the uh, judgment on Jezebel that Jehu was given uh, was connected to this. And it said uh, that he was going to be raised up. Jehu becomes a king of Israel, not by birth, but by the call of God. And he uh, begins to remove Ahab, begins to remove Baal worship. He begins to attack these things in an aggressive way. And he begins to cast down idols. And he also casts down Jezebel. And he, he performs the judgment of the Lord. But it says the reason he did it was because, more than anything, because Jezebel had killed the prophets. The prophets would have been the preachers. The prophets would have been the ones that had a word that we should be listening to. They... They were the uh, voice of reason in the, uh, to the people of God. That Although most of the people had followed Ahab into Baal worship and uh, the worship of Astra, there were still prophets. There were still preachers that were buying for the time of someone to listen to, trying to grab an ear here and there and say, no, but that's not what the Lord says. And, and, but God's word still says, and, and God is still talking. And, and, and it might seem like he's nowhere to be found, but God is still talking. And, and, and in the midst of this, Jezebel realized the only thing that could ever stop her plans was a preacher. You have to look at her track record. She only murders one group of people. Preachers. As it still is today. As we started talking about the spirit of Jezebel, do you think my life is easy? Do you think my home is like very calm since we talk about this? I'm not kidding. We've been in prayer, it seems like, almost 24-7 in my house. And so we've had to take a commitment that as we begin to deal with this, as a family, we have to stay sober and we have to be vigilant, and we have to be in a consistent place of like, no devil, you may not. And, and you know, I, I, David Wilkerson asked one time, he said, who's watching the front door of your life? And it's like, who's, who's sober enough and awake enough to watch what's coming in? And so we've had to watch ourselves because I tell you what would be lovely to the enemy, wouldn't it? If uh, at the end of this whole thing, we didn't outlast it. Preachers have exploded by dealing with this, this subject. Uh, pastors have lost their families and their ministry because they talk about this. But I declare I will not lose those things. <laughs> but we find out that Jezebel hates the preacher. But it's not any kind of preacher. Because I've heard a lot of preachers. Just because you call yourself something doesn't make you that, okay? Uh, I, I've heard a lot of talking from pulpits. I've heard a lot of quote-unquote ministry. And I don't mean to be mean. What I'm saying is... There, you can tell the difference when someone's called and when someone got a job. Uh, you can tell 
I was at a I was at a local university one time, and I don't care who's watching again. I have to watch myself, and I don't I don't, I don't mind anymore. We have we have online cameras, and people say, "I can't believe you said that." I can't believe you're watching that. That's not my mistake. That's yours. You don't want to get your feelings hurt. Don't watch don't watch us online. You'll be fine. Okay. But I was at a local university, and it was so interesting to sit with one of the leaders one time, and they were telling me uh, how all the ministers that come out of their university get jobs. I said, how do they get jobs? Tell me about that. They said, they said we, have a, uh, we have a board. Like, I don't mean like a board, like a bunch of people that look like 90-year-old men. I mean, I'm talking about a board. Like, like we have a board on the wall. And I went, you can become a pastor by a board on the wall. How's this? I'm, like, I'm excited about this idea. And they said, well, see, when they finish the classes, they go over here, and there's all these churches that need pastors. And I just tell them to call all of them. And I said, does that work very well? They said, well, most of them stay there about a year or two. And then they come back, and we go back to the board. That, that, that doesn't sound at all like the call of God on someone's life. So, so Jezebel has no problem with uh, get a job off a of board, pastors and preachers. She's like, that's fine. I made that board. That's good. Like, you just keep that rolling. She's a lady that answers the phone when you call those places. And so, so she, <laughs> she's a secretary at that church right there, right there. I don't know how she does it, but she works at all those places. Okay. But, but so he's not, so Jezebel, the spirit is not worried. He's not worried about that. It's a specific kind of, kind of uh, preacher. Jezebel hates prophetic leadership. Jezebel hates prophetic leadership. And that, that's the prophets, that's spirit-led pastors and teachers, that's apostolic leaders, uh, that's leaders who walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, preachers who call us to repentance. Jezebel is not offended by someone that goes to church. She has an issue with someone that calls the church to action and change. You have to understand this. The spirit of Jezebel does not want to shut churches down. She wants them to continue but be limping and be, and I keep using this word, but it's to be emasculated. It's that the church suddenly has no power. The church has no direction. The church has no uh, meaning. But the bills are paid. And the pews are pretty. And, and we do it the same way over and over. And there's no shift. There's no change. There's no, there's no call to action. It's safe. Uh, it becomes, uh, you know, very doctrinal in its core. It becomes, here's our ten things, and we don't move on from that. And they have no more life, but it's comfortable. And we make sure that our children are in the Sunday school class. And, and that we went to women's Bible study, if you're not a man. And you did the list, and you're very active. And, and you have a good board of directors that decide all the, all the actions. And the pastor shows up, and we make sure he doesn't preach too long. He doesn't preach too short. He doesn't use too much Bible. And he uses just enough poems. I mean, that's, that's how Jezebel wants to live. And if you look at the strong churches that were birthed in the late 1800s, you know, 1860 on to about 1920, you see uh, many of the churches that began there, you'd go to them today and you'd read their history. And you'd be like, why is this complete? Come on, read about William Booth for a moment. Now go to the church that carries, that, you know, it carries his name and is significant. You go there and you're like, this isn't even... Are you guys sure that's the, you are the same people? Like, what's the breakdown? I don't see that to be harsh on anyone. What I'm saying is, like, you look at John Wesley and you think of his preaching, and then you see the churches that call themselves Wesleyan or have Wesleyan doctrine. You're like, this isn't even... But the most splintered religious group in history is the Lutheran church. It's because Martin Luther said, whatever you do, don't name a church after me. And when it comes to not only denominations but religious institutions, it's the most splintered. So many different types. They don't even know each other. They're like, you're Lutheran? We don't even, you do that? I mean, we're completely different, but okay. And it's because we lose the original fire because we let other things in. 
And we start allowing ourselves to be directed by things outside of prophetic leadership. We start looking for comfort instead of that constant rumbling. And, and you know, uh, this is why people hung out with John the Baptist for a day or two, you know. This is why they hung out with Jesus until the bread ran out. They're like, oh, man, like, like this just got hard. Like it, all of a sudden difficulty set in. This isn't as easy as it was last week when we had a lot of fish and a lot of bread and it seemed ever we were popular. All of a sudden this is costing us something. And what's his deal about crucifixion? He's obsessed with it. This is weird. And uh, after a while they had to say, I think Jesus is a cult leader. You know, there had to be that moment. He's asking too much of us. He's telling us to leave our mother. He actually said that we have to love him so much that we hate our mother and father. Like, what is his problem? He's insane. This is weird. This is too much. And every time throughout history we have those preachers that push us to another level, there's a moment where, we, where someone somewhere kind of like pacifies the moment and lets that Jezebel come in. And suddenly we go from radical obedience to like major security, safety, and don't rock the boat because someone might fall out. Rock the boat. Rock the boat. And so when you're dealing with the spirit of Jezebel, she's not after any preacher. She's after a prophetic head. She's after someone that's saying, this is what God is saying for the church today. But why, why does she hate prophetic leadership? Well, I'll give you ten reasons from Scripture. Jezebel hates prophetic leadership because prophetic leadership, number one, is based in hidden knowledge and wisdom and requires a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. Scriptures are 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16 and Matthew 13, 11. Prophetic leadership is based in hidden, I don't mean hidden knowledge that no one can have. I mean, it requires a relationship with the Holy Spirit to not only say it, but to receive it. Come on, you want me to start preaching Psalms 23 every week? You, what do you want me to do? Ten commandments next week? We'll try to keep the ten commandments all next year. You want me, you want, how about this? Beatitudes. We'll do that for like two years. Because, you know, I can't even keep myself. For, I have to prophesy all this. Stuff. I have to start digging that stuff out. Because you might read Psalms 23, and it means a whole bunch more to me. Because as I'm reading it, Holy Spirit's saying, well, here's what that's all about. Well, here's the depths of that. Here's why you need it. So I can't even, I can't even do the script. I, I, I don't even know how. I mean, I, I have to be like on some kind of medication to preach like that. I don't know how to do dead. I don't know how to do boring. I don't know how to do, you know, listless. I don't know how to do not anointed. I don't know that area, okay? And please don't ask me to learn. But it says uh, prophetic leadership is based in hidden knowledge and wisdom and requires a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16 and Matthew 13, 11. Jezebel lives in, a, in religious shadows. Uh, prophetic leaders shine light in hidden places. Jezebel likes being religious. She likes to be unseen, or she likes to be seen, and I say she. I keep saying that. It's she, or I'm not talking about a gender. I'm talking about a spirit. But what I mean is, uh, Jezebel loves to kind of be busy all the time, where you always see her like, like, oh, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of this. I'm doing that. But then when it comes to, like, real deal repentance and crying out to God, it's like, um... I have to go check on something. It's like that whole, like, like panic sets in. Uh, we had a situation a few years ago uh, of someone that was really working in a Jezebel spirit. And it was so funny because it took everyone so long to see it. The first day I met this person, I walked out. And I said, yeah, that person's totally walking in a Jezebel spirit. It took four years for other people to go, I think that person's totally walking. I'm like, yeah, of course. They, like, I, didn't, I was hoping they got set free, so I didn't have to say anything. But it was so funny because when the Holy Spirit would start working, they would almost run out of the doors. 
and I got to be at work. I, gotta get, I mean, it was always when, now when nothing's happening, they're like, amen, praise God. Holy Spirit starts working and actually doing something. I got to go, I got to be, I got to go get my kids from the soccer game, whatever it was, you know. And it was just erratic. And, and it was every time Holy Spirit started coming. It's because Jezebel lives in religious shadows behind the scenes. Prophetic leaders shine light in these hidden places. Uh, Jezebel hates prophetic leadership because prophetic leadership, number two, provides direction and forward movements. Proverbs 29, 11 and John 16, 13. Jezebel keeps a church or individuals stagnant and stuck. But a prophetic leader says, this is the way we're going. We're going forward. We're, we're going to go from where we are to where God is saying. A prophetic leader is never like, uh, it's good how it is. I have never woken up in my entire life and said, this is good enough, no more. I mean, I'm, tell, I'm just going to scare you know, the, the crud out of you right now. That if, if you keep coming to this church, uh, you will be in a consistent push from Pastor Cletus to be like, no, let's keep going. No, forward, deeper, higher, great, let's, let's keep doing it. Uh, there, there's, I'm not talking about not resting in the Holy Spirit and His grace. What I'm saying is even in resting in the Holy Spirit, I'm like, so we can go forward. So we can get someplace, so we can do something, so God can produce something new in our lives. Uh, and so prophetic re- leadership provides direction and forward movement, but Jezebel keeps a church or individual stagnant and stuck. Uh, Jezebel hates prophetic leadership because prophetic leadership, number three, is based in the anointing. Watch this, this is very important. It's based in the anointing and it sets the captive free. I said prophetic leadership is based in the anointing and sets the captive free. That's Isaiah 61, 1-4, like we read before, and Isaiah uh, 10, 27. Here's the issue with Jezebel. Jezebel can't do this. Now, I said Jezebel's issue with, with uh, prophetic leaders is that prophetic leaders can literally pull a word out of heaven that lines up with, like the word of God is all of a sudden like real to them, and they go, here's the answer. Like that place of prayer and that place of prophecy and that pl- I'm not talking outside the word. I'm not, I'm saying, I'm saying something that lines the word becoming alive and turning into flesh before us and saying, this is what God is saying. Uh, and that can be spoken and the captive is set free. Let me ask you, uh, how many of you, you, you were born again when you heard a preacher preach? You might've heard the story before, but when, then when the anointing was present, you were like, that's it right there. Jezebel has no ability to set the captive free. She only has the ability to keep stringing the captive along whether it be through teachings or word or relationships, but it never solves the problem. Some people want a friend that's always like, it'll be okay. Prophetic leadership and preachers are like, it won't be okay if you keep doing the same thing you've been doing. Like, I mean, you drive that car off the cliff, it's going to come off the cliff. You're going to hit the, it's going to not go good. I mean, we got to turn something around, okay? Uh, Where most people, Jezebel loves to jump in and take advantage of people that just want their momentary need Settled. Prophetic preachers and leadership go, no, we're going to shift this thing. Okay, so Jezebel hates prophetic leadership because prophetic leadership, number four, calls us to abandon the world. Uh, prophetic leadership calls us to abandon the world. Second Corinthians six seventeen and James 4, 4. Jezebel offers a way to be both religious and worldly. Uh, let me give you a picture of this. Good doctrine, bad habits. It's, it's this concept of like, hey, we've got all of our doctrine right, so it doesn't matter what we drink. It doesn't matter what we look at. It doesn't matter what we do. Because if anyone were to back us at a corner, we'll pull our doctrine out and go, no, 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 no. We have all the answers. And actually, you're backslidden because you don't have the doctrine that we have. 
Uh, and that's a work of Jezebel. It's a lying spirit that keeps people from being honest and from leaving things in the world. It says, uh, number four was, the prophetic leader calls us to abandon the world. Uh, Jezebel hates prophetic leadership because prophetic leadership, number five, calls us to total faith in God's word and not in ourselves. When a real preacher preaches, he's like, what's it saying there? You're like, well, preacher, I don't, what's it saying there, though? But see, we're going through, but what's it saying there? But see, I used to believe that, but now, but what's it say in there? But what, but what, 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 66 books, what do they say about that? I've had people say, all you do is speak the word. What else do you want from me? Uh, and so the prophetic leader, he calls us to total faith in God's word and not in ourselves. That's Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Jezebel calls us to feelings and emotions. It means that Jezebel uh, listens to the preaching of the word walks out and sees someone that's like, well, I'm broken, I'm sad, and they go, well, you know what, I know that word's not for everybody. Uh, We almost have like predators in the spirit that wait for people after meetings to be like, can I counsel you? Because I I can see that that was a little hard for you. I know everyone else, but like, how do you feel? Are you feeling okay? Are your emotions all right? Because I I just, I feel like God's really anointed me to help people emotionally, and and, you know, I, I can tell you don't feel, stop, get behind me, devil, you know. Uh, because the preaching of the word is what changes things. Uh, Jezebel just wants to satisfy and give you an emotional, better feeling. Okay. Uh, Jezebel hates prophetic leadership because prophetic leaders, number six, call us to choose. That's Joshua 24, 15, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, 1 Kings 18, 21, and Matthew 12, 33. Jezebel calls us to compromise. Prophetic leadership says um, it either is or it isn't. God either blesses it or he curses it. You're either born again or you're lost. Uh, You're either filled with the Spirit or you're not. Um, That's either the Lord or it's not. That's of the flesh or it's not. You understand this. When when prophetic leadership is put in place and we honor that prophetic word, he or she is always going to say, uh, choose your next steps wisely. Take the path that the Lord's saying or don't. There's not... I, I, I... my whole entire pr- uh, process of thought concerning Christ is I either serve him or I don't. He's either Lord of everything, well, come on, or he's not Lord of anything. Uh, I said it twice last week, he won't save what he can't own. So there's no such doctrine that's biblical that says he's my savior, but not my Lord. He's either both or he's neither. It's, it's not, like, I don't care what people said. Uh, we don't need more sinners prayers. We need more sinners repenting. It either is or it isn't. And so the prophetic uh, preacher or prophet will call us to choose. And Jezebel calls us to compromise. She says, you're fine how you are. It'll be okay. Sleep it off. Number seven, prophetic leadership calls us to repentance and conversion. Hosea 6, 1 through 3 and Acts 3, 19. Prophetic leaders call us to repentance and conversion. Well, watch, you have to focus on this one. Jezebel offers counsel and supply. You go, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, when you look at the story of Jezebel, it's interesting because she actually supplied the daily rations for over 400 prophets of Astra and over 400 prophets of Baal, that they literally lived on her money. Uh, then you get to the story in Acts chapter 16 of the, the spirit of Pythos, which is then later referred to in the book of Revelation, connected to the spirit of Jezebel. They're intertwined. You have to, you have to stick with that for a moment. Uh, and so you find in Acts chapter 16 that this false work of the, of the Holy Spirit, it's a false Holy Spirit, it's a false prophecy thing. It's a, it's a controlling, constricting spirit that gets you away from the truth. It's built in money again. 
in this church, uh, people will come to me and say, I'm having a financial problem in my life. And I say, well, and I say the most horrible thing any pastor could say. I go, do you tithe? And they're like, no, you don't understand. I'm having a fine. I go, I know. Do you tithe? Well, I do when I can. Well, that's why you have financial problems every once in a while off and on because they're directly connected that if you were a tither, number one, you wouldn't have any stress anymore about the money because you would know that you're in covenant with God and the numbers wouldn't stress you out or freak you out that you would know God's taking care of it and you know he'll supply your need according to his riches and glory. You know that already. Um, but it's directly connected, okay? And then on top of that, you will begin to see overflow the more you continue in that. That you don't tithe, you are a tither or you're not. Uh, and, and so uh, I make that connection. And then they'll look at me and they'll be like, well, all right. I guess I'm going to start giving money to your church. Uh, they have some bad eye. Then they'll go to like one of you guys and go, I'm just going through some stuff. And you give them 20 bucks. They're like, sweet, this is Jesus. Jezebel will pay your bills like that. I said, Jezebel will pay your bills like that. You just don't know that she's going to require something of you later. I've been amazed to hear people say, uh, gone to my church for 10, 20, you know, 10, 15 years or something like that. And they'll be like, uh, I love your church, but God's moving me on. And by the way, I don't really consider you my spiritual father. And they'll be like, person on second row, this is really my spiritual father. Why? Because one time they gave me cash. Jezebel will pay your bills, but no change will come. I'll say it again. Jezebel will supply. She'll supply. But the preacher calls you to repentance and conversion. Let's stop doing that and let's start doing what God says so God can do a thing. And Jezebel says, no, 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 let's just, let's just offer counsel and money. Jezebel hates prophetic leadership because prophetic leadership, number eight, points us to grace and not works. Isaiah 64, 6, and Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But Jezebel thrives in bondage. Check your, check your situation these last years. She, she thrives in bondage, condemnation, self-hatred, confusion, and works-based righteousness. You can test the works-based righteousness by any time that you are confronted or you confront someone and they feel like if you say they do something wrong, they are wrong. If someone says, hey, that's the wrong thing to do, and they go, I've done my best, and you're attacking me, and I, I, now I'm bad, so now I'm bad. That's, that's a work of a Jezebel spirit that makes us focus on we are the sum total of our works. Where the preacher says, no, your works are nothing. It's his grace. It's complete surrender to him doing it. Jezebel hates prophetic leadership because prophetic leadership, number nine, challenges us to an all-or-nothing lifestyle before God. I'll give you a lot of scriptures. Mark 8, 34, 1 Kings 18, 21, Revelation 3, 15 to 19. Prophetic leaders challenge us to an all-or-nothing lifestyle before God. Jezebel loves lukewarm Christianity. She loves it. If she can keep a church lukewarm where nothing's too bad, nothing's too good, it just exists. I, I don't want to just exist. I, I want to flourish, and I want to... I, come on, if the blessing from Genesis... Was that we'd be fruitful? How much more do we have in Christ Jesus? Jezebel hates prophetic leadership because prophetic leadership, number 10, last one, calls us to spiritual sobriety. Ephesians 5, 14, 1 Peter 5, 8, Joel 2, 1, and Ezekiel 33, 1 through 9. Jezebel works with a sleeper spirit to keep the church medicated and pacified with worldliness. I said that the preacher is going to call you to spiritual sobriety. That means that you wake yourself up. That means if it takes slapping yourself in the face every morning and say, no, today I'm going to serve the Lord, you do it. Because we as a church are dealing with something that is trying to bring conflict with you serving the Lord, but convince you that you're fine at the same moment. 
Over the years, I've realized that you can see real Christianity and you can see false or contaminated Christianity in this. You call the people to something more. The one group says, more is better. The other group says, what else do you want? Years ago, we started having kids around here, and everyone said, well, I can't come to the prayer meeting because i got kids. Well, I can't, I can't serve, I can't go out and do this because i got kids. Uh, then your kids are, are learning that you ruined their life before Jesus and that they are the sum total of why you can't serve Jesus. What do you think you're teaching them? It's when a, it's when a parent says, son, daughter, I love you so much, that's why I'm going to serve the Lord. And it might cost us something sometimes, and I might not be here all the time, but it's going to be for a reason. And I, I mean, come on, we were, we were watching yesterday uh, a story of a lady that gave her life for the gospel, and, and she had an adopted son that she didn't see for 20, 30 years or more, all because he went and did missions. And she was like, I never saw him. I only heard about his works because she was like, I released him to do the will of God. That's the kind of standard we have to have in our church. And Jezebel, according to Revelation 2, stops that work of missions. It's constantly, and, and, but to the church that overcomes her, but to the church that stands up to her, but to the church that confronts her, something changes. To the man or woman that, that deals with this, that stand face to face, toe to toe, that says, no more, you're not going to mess with me and my family anymore. You're not going to hinder our lives anymore. You're not going to have your way anymore, Jezebel. You suddenly, we start facing this thing. I want you to think about your homes. I want you to think about your marriage and not to point a finger, but to point a finger at the situation. I just want you to put it before the Lord right now. Lord, we, we just offer you right now our homes. We offer you our marriages. We offer you our relationship with our children. Even people we live with, we just offer this entire situation before you right now. We, we offer to you, God, our workplace and, and how our reactions, our emotions, uh, what we've been doing and what's been done to us. We just lay it all before you. We don't know all the answers, but you know every answer. And so, God, if you see anything that's out of place or if there's anything wrong, if there's anything out of order, if there's any part we play, God, I ask you to expose it right now. And that we would, for the sake of the greater good, deal with it. That we wouldn't be selfish in this hour and say, well, as long as I deal with it, it's fine. As long as it's personal, it's fine. Lord, let us see if it's affecting anyone else. Any place that there's a stronghold, anywhere there's a foothold of Jezebel or any other demonic stronghold that we're allowing, that we're pacifying, that we're, we're being medicated by, we're just kind of letting it happen, and we're not standing up to it. God, just reveal it and just uh, expose it to us right now. And show us what to do. Show us where it comes from and how we deal with it. We want to face this. And so in Jesus' name, just pull down the stronghold that's been afflicting your life. That, that I declare the anointing on this church that God has given us is enough supply in this hour to break every yoke. It's enough supply in the spirit to destroy every hindrance and destroy every yoke and to lift every burden. And, and I declare your freedom, whether you're feeling it or not right now, I declare your freedom is above your feelings. And I, I declare that God is doing a work in our church and that he might not be done yet, but he will finish the job. And that uh, your faith will stand that you will hold fast and you will stand fast and we as a body, we will outlast that this thing uh, is coming to an end. I declare that the calendar date in the Lord is coming up before his remembrance right now. It's marked in time and that there is an end coming right now. That things that have weighed you down, you're going to find freedom. Uh, things that have held you back, it, it won't hold you back anymore. That, that this is your season. That every promise that you believe but you haven't tasted, you haven't touched, I declare your season is coming. You will taste it. You will touch it. That Come on, all things are possible for you in this hour because your faith is rising. That Jezebel has no more power over you. I declare she comes down. I, I de Come on, just say my name is Jehu and Jezebel comes down. 
I declare Jezebel comes down in Jesus' name. And I declare the devil's under my feet. Come on. I declare the devil's under my feet. I declare the devil's under my feet. I, I declare the God of peace is crushing that enemy under my feet right now. Come on, I have authority from on high, and we declare it's under our feet right now. We declare that devil's under our feet right now. Come on, the authority of Christ is working through this church, and I declare that devil's under our feet right now. Hallelujah. The yokes are being broken. Your children's future, their future won't look like your past. Come on. Hallelujah. I declare your children's future won't look like your past. The things you struggled with, it will be like a faint memory that things you talked about, but it won't be a reality in their future. Come on. We're shifting generations in this hour. Something's shifting.